the line? Yeah. I'm not so certain myself. I mean, it doesn't look over, but when you, it is. <laughs> I looked at it, I'm like, mm. Wheel it. Fucking wheel it. Wheel That's it. what I say. Oh, dear. Sensational. Here we go again. Back up, pod again. Oh, my God, guys. Oh, my God, guys. Back up, pod again. Oh. Oh. Dave, you with us? I am. I'm just re-watching Milner get away with essentially killing people a couple of times again. Dave, when we end the pod this week, can you not ruin it? I'll try not to. By saying cheers when me and Mike are trying to branch out to different cultures in honour of Tommy Arce. Absolutely. There we are. Okay. (sighs) Whatever happened to Kinsuke Honda, does anyone know? I'll find out. Honestly, let me tell you, FIFA 12, he had this lethal finesse. You could just cut inside from anywhere with him. He wasn't particularly quick. He went to Milan, and then he went to Russia, I think. I think he's still playing in Japan. He still plays. Oh, my good Lord. He still plays for FK Saduva in the A-Liga, but not the A-L-Y-G-A Liga. That's how it's spelled. He's also the general manager and coach of the Cambodian national team. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> oh, the general manager and coach. What a job title. Um, so you get to fire yourself if you're doing a terrible job. <laughs> that's sensational. Oh, that's oh. great. Oh. Anyway. He's still worth uh, almost half a million according to transfer market. So up half Okay, all right. Um, that's probably because it's both of his salaries for the Cambodia national team combined. <laughs> one match, one goal in the A-Liga in 2021. So let's go. Oh, Trilly the Nugent. The, oh the, my the Ricky God. Lambert of that league. It's the Azerbaijan league. Yeah, He's like... only played once and they're on match day 31. <laughs> <laughs> his team are top of the league though, so that's good. Does he come any news that if he gets a medal? Lithuania now. Does he get? Does he get a medal, Mike? That's the question. Uh, I'll have a look at the A Liga medal policy, and I'll. I'll That's Lithuania. He's in. He was in Azerbaijan before for six games. According to Google, it looks like there aren't many great matches for your search, which is a real shame. (laughs) A Liga medal policy, isn't there? Oh, thing. Okay, in that case, let's kick off the podcast. Um, hello, welcome back to another episode of the Interact Podcast. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Will, and joining me this week. I hope you leave that all in, by the way. I'm leaving it all in. All in. <laughs> joining me this week, like every week, is the, <laughs> the most important Mr. David Harris. Hi, Will. Um, <laughs> and above him on the computer screen at least is sports media's number one Joel Linton correspondent is Mr Mike Breslin hello everyone also the number one A-leaguer correspondent <laughs> also also the highest member of the podcast for expected Mackies as we discovered last week <laughs> that was sensational <laughs> uh, uh, any update on the expected Mackies for us Mike haven't actually had one since, which is below my uh, my XM for the for the week. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah, I haven't had one since that tweet. I haven't had one, so that's uh, good. All right, um, <laughs> that's a good start. <laughs> well, I can't get a match on Google, but I'll tell you what, there were plenty of good matches at the weekend, weren't there, boys? What a <laughs> <laughs> Look at that! My word! 
Look at that. I don't know what episode we're on now, but that's got to be the best segue of all time. Um, anyway. Uh, shall we do the opposite of what we did last week, which is where we ignored all the important matches to talk about uh, Brentford? <laughs> we could talk about Brentford again, in fairness. We could. We could. Let's give the people what they want. Let's start in the obvious place. Um, yeah, Steve there was Bruce, four Steve. draws this weekend in the A-Liga. <laughs> out, out of five games, by the way, so what a league. <laughs> oh dear. The, I'm going to be honest, the only thing I know Azerbaijan from is like COD4 maps. Apparently it's Lithuania. Is it Lithuania? It's all, it's all changed here. That was he was out of my jam the season before, and now he's in Lithuania. Um, so, I don't want to have to leave this all in, otherwise people are going to have no <laughs> idea what we're talking about. What the career of Kensuke on there? Just in case Will does cut this, Mike's actually Honda's biggest fan. So. Excuse me? No one's a bigger fan of Honda than me. Mike's got Joel Linton. Let's leave it out. Um, let's, let's try and get this back on the road. Let's try. Again? Like yeah. a good, like Honda. a good. There we are, Dave. Um, right. Liverpool, Man City. Let's talk about it. Two oh, two. It was actually a good game, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I tell you what, that second half, probably the best football I've seen all year in terms of quality. Oh yeah. Churchill, the dogs in the house. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Takeaways from this game. Give me a give me a top one. And it's not Mackie's. <laughs> Bernardo Silva's an absolute baller. That's one. All right, you go first then, Dave. Tell us more about Bernardo Silva. Why? Just he just managed to make chances out of nothing. He nearly got an unbelievable assist in the first half when he somehow kept kept hold of the ball in the middle and danced around about four Liverpool players. For a second, I thought he was going to try for the gap and go for the one of the most outrageous solo goals I've seen. But he slipped in Foden and it didn't happen. But Jesus, he just he just picked up the ball a couple of times and just sort of glided with it. It was pretty crazy, to be honest, when you consider the players he's playing against. I thought he was quality. Yeah, um, it, it does. It did feel a bit like Bernardo Silva because he was he was excellent against Chelsea as well. He was quite he was like smothering in the press against Chelsea. Um, and for the first half here, it was pretty similar. And Mike, back a couple of seasons ago, um, Bernardo Silva, when City and Liverpool had that incredible title race, it felt like Sterling was was getting all the goals, but Bernardo Silva was the outstanding perhaps player for Man City that year. And then a bit of a down year, but he seems seems like there's a bit of life in him. It definitely does this year. Like that, that that piece of play that Dave referenced there was was outstanding. Um, but yeah, he seems to be having a much better season overall this season. He's getting a bit more of a run in the side. He, I, I felt like he hardly played last year. Yeah. I know this is this is sort of a thing with with the pep rotation. Um, but yeah, he's he now seems to trust him again, which is good. And I, I think he's a top top player he's fantastic when he's on song he is unbelievable to watch isn't he interesting that he was on his way out in the summer but they just couldn't they couldn't get anyone to spend the money for him but no stunning to me i i can't believe that yeah it's it's just interesting i mean obviously city have lacked goals and he's in the side over last season's top scorer gundaman who's out injured but it's almost it's almost like 
he's undroppable now. But the only question is, do you move him further forward when Gundogan comes back? How does I mean, Pep deal with that? Yeah, the thing about City is it's just embarrassing how many good players they are. It is. They're leaving Sterling and Mares on the bench. It's a and Ferran Torres, who I always <laughs> think is is class. It's ridiculous. So then, and and this is yeah, without Gundogan because he's injured. So Gundogan probably comes back in to have your midfield with Rodri and De Bruyne, De Bruyne, and then Foden probably plays because he he seems to have found some form. Now he's back to fitness, and then you've got a hundred million pounds worth of Jack Grealish. Jesus, Sterling, Mares. It's it's just ridiculous. Bernardo Silva to fit in basically two spots. It's crazy. All that and no striker. Um, Dave, quickly on Phil Foden. Quite mm. the performance from him. What did you make of it? Do you? It seems like he likes playing away at Anfield. Say. Yeah, I thought he was fantastic. I think with Foden, it's never been like a question of his talent, but obviously with young players, it's like. Like coming of age really in games like this, I think. Like they can be quite maturing experiences. I think That's what ev- everyone said af- after his performance there last year, wasn't it? That I was think like the game he really came of age. Yeah, I think because he's obviously played so many games now for City, I think he's like as we saw last season, he's just a much more mature player now. I think he he understands like his role in the team and stuff more than just trying to express himself, which obviously every young player would do. But he's getting more sort of moulded. I thought he was fantastic in this game. He was causing problems for them. His finish was unbelievable. Unbelievable. He was just... I mean, I don't want to say I believe Henry Hodgson's hype for him because he's not won a Ballon d'Or yet, but he looks quite the player, doesn't he, Bill Foden? He looks every inch the city shot, the city um, forward player, which is he's quick, he's technical, um, misses a good chance and then puts away another um, every inch. So um, puts away the harder one usually. Yeah. Mike, Mike, where's Foden's best position? Do you think? Because he's kind of played all across that front line, and he's at one point played left back. And he's played in midfield. He's played everywhere. Where's his best position? It's not left back. There's a shot. Oh, I was about to say that was going to be my first, <laughs> my first one to tick off. <laughs> Rule left back is not, left back is not where you play, uh, Phil Foden. I I think wide left is a good spot for him. Obviously, particularly in this game, he had he was up against Milner, who he gave it just a torrid, torrid time out there. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about Sir James in a bit. Yes. Okay. I'll I'll leave it at that then for now. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think wide left, but your problem is then you've got Sterling, whose best position is also probably wide left, and Grealish, who's also probably wide left. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think Foden can play wide right, but probably better than those two, which which allows you to put one of the others on the left. You're still stuck without a striker, <laughs> uh, unless you put Brazil's number nine, Jesus, up there. But oh, God, no. I, I'm not sure how much you trust him. No. It's it's just crazy, isn't it? I, I really like Ferran Torres. I'd like to see him, to be honest, a bit more. But I would too. It, it has been a bit weird that Ferran Torres obviously started the season and that Jesus kind of giving them width on the right side as like a new right winger and Torres making those little movements in behind worked quite well for them in the early weeks. But Pep has sort of moved away from that. Um, 
city as a whole so less focused on individuals how did you how did you rate this because obviously this came as a performance because obviously it came at the end of a week where they ran their socks off the park for Chelsea we discussed on last week's podcast about how complete a performance that was they were much the better team away in Paris so I thought we were unlucky to lose 2-0 and I thought again particularly in the first half here they were quite good but what did you make of the performance Mike? I thought they I thought to be honest they were the better team for most of this game (laughs) uh uh, and in the end, lucky not to lose it. <laughs> uh, that that Rodri tackle in the last second was unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, I think I think they are still the best team in the league. Um, unfortunate to come away with the point here and lose in midweek. Yeah. But four points from six against Chelsea and Liverpool in the league is not bad. Both They'll away. still get both away from home. That's pretty damn good. Uh, they're still going to win their Champions League. No, they're not going to necessarily win the Champions League group, but they're going to get through. So you don't have to worry too much about that. <laughs> they're really good. Uh, I don't know if I, I want to bring it up, but just just go and get Harry Kane. Just go and buy him. Yes, it it's got to come up. It feels like it feels simplistic analysis. It feels like you sit there and you you sit there every week and you go. They need a striker, that's, they need a striker, they need a striker. That's half why I don't want to say it, but it's but like... The fact of the matter is they need a striker because you watch... I'm sure Joel Linton's available, by the way. <laughs> He's very available. <laughs> Couldn't be more available. Um, but it, it does feel simplistic, but it, it's because it's so true that they need a striker. Like, you watch them against Chelsea and, and they were hugely dominant in that game. But when che- until Chelsea went a goal down and had to chase the game didn't really create tons didn't have that moment where they turned the half chance into a, a proper chance for example until Jesus got that effort which was deflected fairly lucky you take um, the PSG game where they really struggled to put away their chances Bernardo missed a very good opportunity and you took it here too you saw it with you saw it with a De Bruyne header you saw it with Phil Foden's uh, shot off the um Silver thing, and these aren't always going to fall to a striker, but if it fell to a striker who's unsettling the back line a bit more, you'd fancy them to come away with maybe more than the points they got it. I wanted him to say that first time so bad. <laughs> I think everyone did. I think everyone did. Um, Dave, as the resident Scouse cor- correspondent, <laughs> um, what did you make of Liverpool's performance here? What did you think? I thought they showed their quality, uh, for sure. I mean, How? well, yeah, obviously Mane and Salah were fantastic. Salah is just unbelievable. It was it was sort of Liverpool when they, you know, when they won the league and they were just grinding out results. It reminded me a little bit like that. They, like Mike said, City, I felt, were also the better team in this game for big periods of it, really. But Liverpool just have that quality still where Mane scores that goal, Salah scores an unbelievable goal. I thought, to be honest, they looked maybe a little bit leggy in midfield. But mm-hmm. Henderson, to be honest, is looking dangerously close to being over the hill, I would say, in these sort of intensity games. I don't know if he quite has what he did a couple of years ago anymore. Mm-hmm. Um but, I mean, there's no denying their quality, Liverpool. They're still clearly a quality team. Um, 
Yeah, I, it was it was a weird one. I felt that point was more down to just the raw talent they have rather than necessarily the team deserving it from their performance. Because like, yeah, I think they were second best in this game for massive periods of it. To be honest, Mike, what did you make of it? Salah. <laughs> that's that's my big takeaway. That that guy, I don't know if he can still be underrated, but I think he actually is. He is so good. Best player in the league. He is yeah. for me. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think he is. Yeah, yeah. I think He's he is. For me yeah. for what it's worth. He stays fit, unlike Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> that's true. It's true. He is, he is unbelievable. Um, yeah, they ground it out. Almost won it at the end. Um, I think the signs are good for Liverpool. They're probably not as good as this Man City team. I think that's I think that's fair to yeah. say. Uh, and they they are. Fabinho didn't have a good game. I like I do like the look of Curtis Jones. I think it's nice that he'll yeah. get he's getting a bit running the side some trust from Klopp as well. Um, but Milner right back's a tough one. Um, Shotter wasn't his best game. Yeah, they've got they've got a good front line, which is going to help them. They've got a decent back line now. The midfield is a bit of a worry going forward, probably. Yeah, they're, they're pretty they're pretty good though. They're pretty good. I don't think they're quite at the level of City, and I don't think anyone in this league probably is still. I came out this game thinking that. Liverpool have noticed it's the second time this season I've watched Liverpool in a, a big game and thought to myself they're not the Liverpool of old um, and I'm going to caveat it by saying that we talked about City's pressing last week against Chelsea which is probably like the best pressing performance you'll ever you'll ever see I think it was ridiculous and they did it again for the first half here they did yeah. it again perfectly for the first half they completely shut off the supply for Fabinho and they couldn't get out but the difference between this Liverpool and the Liverpool of a couple of years ago is they felt they felt to me way short of City in a midfield sense they they just felt like they had very little control. I thought that City got in I thought that in and around the fullbacks and targeted them in a in a real way that is a, is a struggle. Like we can talk about Milner, but I'm going to be honest with you, Phil Foden would have had Alexander Arnold's pants down. Like he that, would have done. That is true. Yeah, it's not true. a massive. It's not a massive difference. And um, they, it's a, it, it, it's hard to keep harping back to Liverpool's recruitment because the front line is superb and the recruitment of Jota was, was perfect. It did really well. But I don't think any of us thought Jota was going to be this no, good. No, but they were desperate for an element of control in this game. And like usually Trent gives them that from fullback, but Thiago, there's Thiago. You spent 30 million on Thiago for games like this and not fit, not match fit, can't play. Like it just feels to me like they've taken their midfield's taken such a noticeable step back that I, although I think they're they're in the words of Kevin Keegan fighting for this title, I, I just don't think they're particularly as good side as they were a couple of years ago. But yeah, it is worth saying that they were an outrageously good side a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but even and, before and this city side is also even before they were perfect. Good, yeah. I, I, I feel like I feel like even before they they challenged all the way for the Premier League, I feel like that team was better. And I hate to be that guy, but 
I know they missed control, but also there's been a few times I've watched them this season and I felt like they, they've kind of missed a bit of the drive that Genie Wijnaldum used to give them. Particularly something in games like this, like that kind of performance where just gets about that midfield and just unsettles them, which is, is quite a good one. But I tell you what, there's three teams in this division that are really good title challenging sides, all of them with a glaring flaw. Yeah, so it is interesting. Like, and <laughs> and City haven't got a striker, and Liverpool and Chelsea have got questions about their midfield. There you are. I'm glad you clarified that it wasn't Man United, one of those No, it's three. not. It's not. And I did enjoy the guy on Twitter, the United fan, was like, good result for us. I'm like, you need to concern <laughs> yourself with Brighton and Arsenal, pal. That's what you need to concern yourself with. <sighs> They're going to finish above Chelsea now. We're in a top four battle with West Ham. That's where we are. <laughs> with West Ham. Um... Individual dis- individual moments then. Um, quickly on Salah's goal, because it was incredible. I was listening to something earlier on where there was a kind of discussion about how it ranks in some of the top five goals, Premier League all time, kind of like solo goals. How are you feeling about it? Because like, obviously you've got it's got everything for it, hasn't it? Because it's got the the actual kind of like the stage it was on title challengers fighting that's true yeah that's true i i do like that son one a couple of years ago that was a good solo effort i'm more of a team goal man myself but this was an outrageous goal yeah dave this it was an incredible goal and with salary does this like almost like side foot chip sort of finish with his weaker foot yeah yeah absolutely, absolutely absurd I'm I mean, do you remember the goal he scored against Everton? They got a Puskas award. I, I mean, this miles was better. Yeah, this is miles better. Yeah. It's top. Just, just re yeah, it. Incredible goal. Incredible goal. Dave, was this. Let's move on. Was this um, James Milner's Gary Neville moment? And by Gary Neville moment, I mean, Gary Neville obviously yeah. always tells the story about how he was getting skinned by Matthew Everington. Yeah, it wasn't by the way. Was it not Matthew Everington? No, I think it. I think it's someone like that. Yeah. Um. And he was like, yeah, West Brom. If I'm getting skinned by shit wingers, basically. Isn't it? Now, Chris, wasn't it? Now, Chris? now Phil Foden's not a shit winger, but do you feel like Milner was perhaps showing that, like John Henderson, it's struggle. It's a struggle to keep up in these games. It was quite uh, yeah. something, wasn't it? It was. I'd go as far as to say it was embarrassing, to be honest. Not sure how he didn't give away a penalty in the first half when he clearly just didn't know what he was doing, trying to cut across Foden despite being a good yard behind him, so he just brought him down. Somehow that wasn't given. Mm -hmm. uh, Then I think out of frustration, he just basically threw himself at Bernardo when he was nowhere near the ball. Didn't really look particularly assured whenever he did have the ball. It was like a... And to be honest with Milner, credit to him, he's been playing for years and he's always looked so confident and assured. This was maybe one of the first times I've seen Milner just look totally lost, which is a credit to him, to be honest. He's, what, 36 now, 35. It's taken this long, but he really looked out of his depth. Yeah, I was listening to the build-up on the radio on my way home from work, and they said, yeah, it's, it's Milner at right back, and that's because, you know, Klopp can trust him, and you know exactly what you're going to get out of James Milner, and then he turned that in. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> it's not quite what you expect, I think, from James Milner. 
I was half expecting him to go off with a stretcher with an ox- oxygen mask at half time. It's <laughs> <laughs> just absolutely rude. And I was like, I was like, of all the teams to happen against as well for James Milner, Man City. Unbelievable. Yeah, basically. Yeah. If there's any um, consolation for James Milner, I watched Phil Foden do exactly the same to Cesar Azpilicueta last season. And then in um, in June, uh, Azpilicueta was on the other side of it. Hoisting a big trophy. <laughs> if I just get that in one a week. Every episode. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta get it in. Um, no, obviously, big game. It was a lot of fun. Um, horrible. It was what, an actual big game that lived up to the billing. By the way. Well, this is the thing I always want to say. Liverpool, Liverpool, Man City are different enough that you always feel like you get a quality game. Uh, other two and they've got they've got differences in style whereas it's I think I think when you when you play I mean when you watch Liverpool versus Chelsea you tend to get an okay game too but when you watch Chelsea City it's always crap always crap it's never good except for um, when it's in Porto anyway let's move on that's two that's two for you Mike um right up next on the agenda ladies and gentlemen it's Watford is this the first time we've we've ever talked about Watford? Could <laughs> be. It could very were, well be. Were they in the league when we started? <laughs> I think no. No, I don't think um, Dave, uh, it was you who was was it you who was keen to talk about Watford, or was it Mr. Mike Bresley? I I definitely brought that to be fair. All right, Ranieri in. So Ranieri in, um, Cisco, uh, the manager, not the guy who sung Thong Song, um, out. Um, or the woeful striker for Newcastle, if I don't remember that guy. I'll tell you who does remember woeful strikers for Newcastle. It's Mr. Mike Rezin. <laughs> um, Dave, continues the Pozzo's trend of uh, sacking someone practically in every calendar year. Um, <laughs> talk to me. I just think it's maybe a little bit harsh, to be honest. Like, what? I mean... Even if they don't think the style of football is particularly great, at the end of the day, I don't think, what, seven? Is, is it seven points in the first seven for a newly promoted team? Is that bad? I I don't know. Maybe, I admit, I haven't particularly watched Watford's games closely, but it looks like they're going to probably... Apart from Watford fans, Mike. Um, There's not many of those. You know, from an outsider's perspective it doesn't look like they're about to go down shit creek does it and it looks like they've got some promise they made some decent enough signings like solid signings in summer really like players with premier league experience a couple of players that are like exciting like emmanuel dennis to be fair he's he's a good young player i don't know they I just don't get what they're looking to achieve, especially now that it's confirmed they bought Ranieri in. I don't don't really understand what their vision is. Because however good someone could be at the start, if you're not going to give them any time, you're never going to get any real progress, are you? You've been in the job nine months. These are guys who, what is it, They've since 2010, they've sat like... 17, 18 managers, something ridiculous. Yeah, and they've been relegated once, been promoted and stayed in the Premier League quite a bit. It is interesting because I, I don't know, uh, like, we just assume that it's not the right way to go, this hiring and firing. 
But Watford seemed to do okay out of it. Yeah, so this is the thing, like we it's a, everyone it's frustrated. Everyone preaches stability and we do it we do it the same, don't we? But I mean Watford and I know it's a totally different kettle of fish, but Chelsea they've both had sustained success from hiring and firing managers. Um and here's a stat for you. Go on, here we go. Graham Taylor's first spell at Watford lasted 428 games. Watford have given Dice Zola, Sanino, Garcia, McKinlay, Yukanovic, Sanchez Flores twice, Mazzari, Silva, Gracia, Mullins twice, Pearson, Ivic and Munoz a combined total of 427 games, so one less. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, How many managers was that? Nine. Hold on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, but, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Fourteen. And two of them were twice. So sixteen. Talk but just going back to it, like, I mean, I'm like you, like I haven't seen Watford. I haven't watched a lot of Watford. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend I have. But I thought to myself once I knew we were talking about them, I'd go and I'd search Cisco's name into Twitter just to see what the Watford fans were saying. And I must have I must have scrolled through about Oh, there must be like 100 tweets and not a single one said anything different than lovely guy, tactically clueless and absolutely the right decision. And to give credit to Watford, this isn't like Spurs where they sat their manager and didn't have a clue what they were doing. They've sat their manager. They've got a guy in through the door and they've done it at the perfect time, which is an international break, because you get two weeks in to get settled and get used to things. Your first game's a gimme against Liverpool when no one expects you to win. It feels like the right time to do it to me. Mike? Yeah, there's there's that, but there's also... Do you want to know the next eight fixtures? What are the next eight fixtures? Because normally you sack a manager after a difficult spell, whereas they've <laughs> sacked a manager coming into a difficult spell. So they now play the gimme against Liverpool, Everton, Southampton, Arsenal, Man United, Leicester, Chelsea, Man City in their next eight games. Well, it's 32 points there. Huh? Could, could Ranieri be sacked by the end of those eight games? Just quickly talking, I mean, it's not a good run, but I mean, they're a point, they're, you'd assume they're appointing him with an expectation that he's going to win the games against Newcastle, for example, and things like that. Um, what do you make of the Ranieri appointment? Because obviously you, you hear Ranieri and you think about Leicester, you think about him getting a struggling appointment, but... He was woeful. His Fulham team yeah, were woeful. One of the worst teams I've seen for a while. So what do you make of it as an appointment? Do you, do you think it's... An in, just what do you think? Because I don't know what to think. I'm not sure either. Could, he's had a lot of decent teams and he's had a few pretty awful teams. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they've recruited okay. I, I'm not really sure what to make of their squad, to be honest, but Tom Cleverley's captaining some games, so that's a bit of a worry. Yeah. Dave, how much of a... I mean, the one thing you would say about going back to hiring and firing of your managers is it, it, you have to have a strong dressing room. Like, you saw it at Chelsea with the strong dressing room and you saw it with Watford, with Troy Deeney in particular. How big a loss is Troy Deeney for keeping, kind of keeping that dressing room t- together, do you reckon? Mm, I think it could be a big loss, but at the same time, I know players can have influence without really playing, but I do sort of think if a player is never actually going to be out on the pitch, which they sort of decided with Dini, is he really able to exert as much influence if he's also playing in the games? 
I think it's definitely important in having someone like that who can, you know, if players have any doubts, keep the togetherness in the group. But I think there does come a point with players like that. For example, Mark Noble at West Ham is a good one. He's a great influence, but he also still plays. If Mark Noble was at a stage where... Especially in the squad, not... <laughs> if he was in the squad and just not playing, I don't think he'd have as much influence. I think that is... There's some length that the player, if you have a player in that role, they have to still play a bit. And they decided they didn't want Dean, they didn't see any room for Deeney. So, I mean, you're forgetting as well, Ben Foster's been there for years. Even players like Cleverly's been there for years, to be honest. You can't, you can't expect me to take the cycling goalkeeper series in the dressing room spat. He's coming over and he's like, you've got to pull up your socks. I'll get your GoPro out, you idiot. Fuck <laughs> you shit. Like, but you just would, wouldn't you? What a You're boy. In... He's back starting as well. Let's go, yeah. Ben. I'm thoroughly enjoying Ben Foster's uh, rotation into just a content media personality. Although, honestly, he spent about seven years being a miserable git every time he was ever interviewed. And now he's all happy. Friends with YouTubers. It's quite some turnaround. Dave, you've made the sign. So, Mike, <laughs> give Dave the intro. It's Dave's stat of the week. Yeah, for once, this one isn't from Opta Joe, it's Tom Ross. By 2030, you'll never be more than 10 yards away from someone that minds Watford. There you go. No serious stat. Uh, just enjoyed the tweet. So, thought I'd share that. Just in case Twitter goes down by the time this comes out, like every other social media. So, yeah. that, brings, that brings us into uh, Wazzock of the Week, and it's Dave for that stat. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable! Oh, uh, it's a joint Wazak of the week um, with Dave and whoever decides to give out joint man of the match awards at Sky. It was Gary Neville, I think. Fucking Gary Neville, honestly. Uh, you could hear the. Uh, sorry to go back to that game, but you could. It was like there's a few moments. Joint now. man of the match awards. What are we doing here? Like, firstly, it's ridiculous. Did you not see Salah's performance? And secondly, they have a great moment where sort of. Gary Neville's just like, oh, yeah, maybe it would be great to get them interviewed together. And then someone clearly goes to him, uh, yeah, there's bubbles, Gary. There's bubbles. They can't do it. It would be great to get them interviewed together. No, it wouldn't. That wouldn't have happened back in my day. Roy Keane's just fuming in the background. You know he is. <laughs> Two foot devil. Um, <laughs> anyway, Watford hiring and firing. We'll see you next time. Watford's at the manager. Yeah, or, no idea what will happen. Because they've got they've got a decent front line. I mean, Ismail Assar's a quality player. I mean, that's it feels like there's a few teams in the league that you just exist and Watford are one of those teams. But um, if you don't think it's working, now's a decent time to sack him, I guess. Um, I'd like him to go down, though, if I'm being honest. I'd like him to go down. Who's up next? Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Oh, fuck. Will. Two, the next two teams are talking about are your two favourite oh, teams. Speaking of teams I want to go down, honestly. Right, let's talk about them. Newcastle, Steve Bruce's Newcastle. I mean, I'm bored just hearing about Newcastle. That's a good point. Let's start it off with the Joel Linton report. Mike, how did he play? Yeah, um, it's another stellar week for him, to be fair. <laughs> 6.7 from who scored. He did start the game, which is which is great to see. So Bruce has got his head screwed on these days. Uh, not a great performance from Newcastle or, or from himself, in fairness. 
Yeah. Right. Uh, it's not good when Jeff Hendricks coming off the bench to score a goal for you. No. <sighs> right. Dave, you want again you wanted to talk about Newcastle. You're the reason we're talking to Newcastle about Newcastle. Speak your mind. I just think I finally signed with the Newcastle fans and get rid of Steve Bruce entirely. Their squad really is not that bad compared to some of the, the clowns down there with them. A, a decent a decent manager could make them a, at least play to their strengths. Why, why they aren't based around like Wilson, St. Maximin and Almiron, for example. Instead, they just invite everyone on to Fabian Shah every week. It, it, it makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> but what, like Isaac Hayden, for what it's worth, great midfielder. But what's the point of inviting everyone onto you when you got John Joe Shelby? Who, well, I don't know what he's doing, but he's at sea most of the time in midfield. <laughs> I just, I just don't know what Bruce's tactics are, to be honest. And I think it's, I think it's time they just try to get a manager that at least tries to play one to the strengths and two something semi-interesting because fuck me these guys are grim so so grim aren't they but did you see also the kit man messed up so Federico Fernandez and Manquillo were both wearing Manquillo 19 shirts that was hilarious that's excellent yeah how does Fernandez put that shirt on and think yeah this is this is my one to be fair to to be fair to the kit man, you could put Fernandez and Manquillo in front of me and I wouldn't know who either one was. <laughs> That's true as well. Oh you would, because Fernandez would miss the header and then Manquillo would miss the clearance from the second ball. Right, I'm gonna ask the question. Where is Newcastle's next win coming from? Uh, there we go, fixture by fixture. The place yeah. goes next. Oh, oh, there it is. <laughs> there so it that, is. So that was oh, lucky. <laughs> Did you see that they were talking about firing Nuno if he didn't win uh, at the weekend? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not surprised. No, I think Nuno's shit, but come on, guys. They've seen Cisco's free. They were like, we'll get him in. <laughs> bring him. Come on down. Um, joking apart, Newcastle are really poor. But what I think, what I think is really interesting is that under Benitez, they were effective, but crap. So, like, they were really good defensively, really awful offensively. Under Bruce last year, they were really bad offensively and really bad defensively. And he was getting such a... And they were sort of helped out with... By the fact, I think, that the the crowd wasn't in the ground because we know the crowd could be quite hostile. So, I think to Steve Bruce's... I, I think to Steve Bruce's credit this season, what he's tried to do is he's tried to be a bit more expansive. So, I mean, if you look at their rank for T, if you look at their rank for like amongst the teams for expected goals are actually 10th in the league for goals. They're eighth for shots on target. They're eighth for shots. They're eighth. And they're, I mean, I don't like that. They're leaning into Alan some maximum up front. I feel like that's daft. I feel like he should be allowed to play wide and create and sort of, take on his fullback I feel like for a guy who's such a prolific dribbler that's where he should be but it does feel like injured it does feel like Steve Bruce has tried at least to sort of make Newcastle a bit more entertaining even if they're not quality is that fair 
It appears to be. The the concern is clearly at the back, though. For the, well, one of the big concerns is clearly at the back. They're, they're XG against the second bottom in the league and they've conceded joint most with Norwich. When you're in any company with Norwich, yeah, that's that's a big worry. Particularly when you're, you're essentially playing a 4-5-1. Yeah. Uh, where, in theory, you should be pretty well protected going backwards, but... But yeah, I guess the the move to try and play more attacking players. I mean, in this game away away at Wolves, he played some Maximan, Joel Linton, Willock, Almiron, and uh, Hayden in front of Longstaff. I mean, that is there's a, few, a fair few attacking players. In fairness to him, there. Yeah, it's just not working for them. Um, but, but it isn't working. Yeah. But the over, it's not. It doesn't feel very. It doesn't feel like a Brighton where it's the overlying, the underlying numbers are good. Um, Overlying. underlying numbers are good um, and they're just not getting the results it, it, the numbers are bad like you said they, they, fa- they face an ungodly amount of shots on target like it's obscene how often they give themselves no protection um, yeah I don't, I, I'm not huge on Darlow or Woodman either they're, they're goalkeepers no, I don't think no. they've been good either which isn't helping me neither um, but doesn't feel like anything's going to change it. Dave, it doesn't feel to me like you say Bruce out, but it doesn't feel like to me like that's a, an incoming thing. I think there's a couple of managers who might get sacked. I think, yeah, I mean, I think Mike Ashley's actually happy with Bruce. I think it's just the discontent from Newcastle fans has been around for ages, and I feel like it's starting to get more traction in the media. So it feels like Bruce is about to get sacked. But I think from Mike Ashley's perspective, I don't really see it happening. Yeah, I think it's been like this. For, they've wanted him gone for ages and nothing's ever happened. On the other foot, what do Newcastle fans expect? Because, let's be honest... No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> what a turnaround! Was, was, <laughs> they've got a great squad. It should be doing better. He's the squad. Yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. Same time. Did Rafa Benitez do... He did a bit better, but he wasn't... Sorry. I'm 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 with you, Dave. That Rafa, but he Steve Bruce has a way better squad than Rafa Benitez. Way better. Way better. It's not even close. Not even close. And also, Rafa Benitez had them being a hard to beat compact team. True, they're so easy to break down, aren't they? What okay? What sort of manager would you like to see take on this Newcastle team if you could put someone there? Nothing. I'd like to see the uh, stadium wiped off the face of the map. <laughs> well, I'd like to see them relegated. Go on, like, Eddie Howe. I like I tell you, Eddie Howe is perfect for Newcastle. Absolutely. I'm telling you. No, Eddie Howe's going to Spurs halfway through the season. Don't do it, Eddie. That is not a job you want. Um, <laughs> I don't understand why any. This is going to sound like a dig at Newcastle, and it half is. I don't understand why anyone <laughs> would take the Newcastle job because who else is it I'm doing it? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> genuinely, but am I being unfair? I don't understand why anyone would take the Newcastle job because you. In fairness, you, I'd take it. I'll you, anyone, anyone in the football manager world, anyone <laughs> with prospects for any other job, because think about it this way: you, the the squad's decent. It's not phenomenal. It's fine. 
you're expected to do way better by the fans. The fans have unrealistic expectations. You don't get a lot of support from the owner. It feels toxic. You you have like one or two bad re- like Alan Pardew got them into Europe. And then, got like, on a year contract and then got, just fell off a cliff. Yeah, yeah, admittedly. But they were on his back by, like, November the next season after he'd taken them to Europe. Like, I can't blame them for that. He's a knob. Agreed. But, like, it just shows you really satisfied with success over there. Like, and, and they're all clamouring for... They basically think... They have aspirations to be in the Champions League club when, in reality, they are a championship club with the way... Like, well, at least no one from Newcastle will ever listen to this podcast again. No, because they've only just discovered headphones up there. <laughs> We're about to lose Burnley in the next five minutes as well. Any listeners we have from up there? I just say that the squad that Rafa Benitez had was dreadful. Go on. I'm just looking at... My God. He, he was playing Andy Carroll up front and then subbed him off for Yoshinori Muto in the second half. I mean, what in the world? Look what you've tried to argue, Dave. Look what you've tried to argue. I can't, I can't believe this. Yeah. Um, the Burnley team looks the exact same. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, bad squads, uh, Dave, but you wanted to, you wanted to, you, you've really, you've really stuffed us this pod, Dave. Like you ruined the, you ruined the end of last week's pod, and you wanted to bring up Watford, Newcastle, and Burnley. Do you just hate us? Is that what's going on here? <laughs> well, we he doesn't like any of our listeners. That's the problem. We can't always talk about the big teams and the exciting ones, well. We've yeah, got yeah. To... You mean like Brentford, Norwich, and Southampton last week? <laughs> okay, pal. Norwich are quite big. <laughs> Yeah, I just think um, just think with Burnley, they're getting very dangerously close to to this whole Dice project just failing, aren't they? To be honest, they've not backed him for years. The squad's been hanging on each season and getting weaker each season. Is this going to be the season where even Dice can't keep them plodding along? Wait, wait. If he gets relegated, do you consider it a failure? I don't consider it. He gets, a an, eight, he gets an A plus in no, our no, manager no, no, no. every year, no, no, regardless no. of where he is. I don't consider it a failure from Dyche. I consider it a failure from the club to not back Dyche. If you, God, if a manager's ever proven himself in this league to get backed, it's bloody Sean Dyche. And the last two seasons, he's had to publicly come out and say he wants new players. He needs to talk to the board because clearly, even he's fed up that they won't back him. Yeah, it's not good. Are, we, are we bringing up Dave's Dave's four, claim? The last four transfer windows, Sean Dyche has publicly said that he wants money for new players and he's going to have to speak to the board slash hope they give it him. What more can Dyche do? They're just setting him up to fail slightly more than the last season. They bought Maxwell Cornet this year. Yeah, and he thought he signed for Umbro, didn't he? he no, but... Is it just the quality of the squad, or have you seen something in Burnley's play this season that's making you a bit worried? I think I think it's the fact that when their squad was like better, because the thing is with Burnley, it's not even the personnel, as in they've got new players and they've lost bigger players. 
is the fact that some of the players, like Ben Mee, for example, was at his peak, playing way higher than you would expect Ben Mee to play, for example. But now he's got a bit older, he is starting to, uh, like, well, he's past his peak. And they've got pretty much a whole squad of players like that. Hmm. So it's, yeah, it's more they're trying to do what they've been doing for years, but they're not even playing at their peaks anymore. So even Tarkowski, for example, he was class a few seasons ago. He can't do what he was doing when he was at his top. And that's basically the reflection of their whole squad. They're trying to play how they were, where they could grind out results and get even top half. They were doing unbelievable, but they just can't do that anymore. Dwight McNeil is the only one that can get past a, a jog, for God's sake. Hmm. Mike, yeah. we talk about sustainability, but from what Dave says, although they've been trying to go about it in a sustainable way, it has actually ended up being unsustainable just because of a criminal underinvestment in the squad. Yeah, it's potentially started to look that way, which is sad if all this good work from Daesh and his players, in fairness, punching above their weight season after season, uh, ends up going to waste. I don't I don't think I don't think these are definitely going down. I think that they're, they're gonna be they're gonna be scrapping away all season and they may end up it's going to be close and maybe closer than it normally is this year, I think. I'm more worried than I normally am about Burnley at this time. Um, but you, they're going to be hard to beat and they're going to beat some teams that they probably shouldn't beat, to be fair, as well. Although they should have beaten Norwich on Saturday. I'm really pissed off about that because I had money on it. I'm really worried about Burnley. They haven't won at home since January 27th. Really? They haven't won at home since January 27th. Lose, not beating Norwich at home in a, yeah. in a contender for the most last on match of the day match has ever been. Um, Norwich versus Burnley, good Lord. Um, things. It, it's weird that Dyche signed the contract in the middle of last week and now it feels like all goodwill has gone. I did just want to quickly touch on the owners because they came in with all these plans and they have bought Maxwell Corney who jokes aside is an exciting player and completely yeah. opposite of the type of profile that Burnley usually go for um, but they bought the club and they did what I'm almost a mini United and they leveraged the debt onto the club it just doesn't feel quite it doesn't it doesn't feel quite right and it's quite worrying that they've not really spent a lot either despite coming in and promising all these things. It just, it feels a bit odd. And I'm going to say it now. I, I think that, I think when you start talking about these teams, you you look at the teams and you think, right, who's a worse team than you and who's got a worse squad than you? I think Norwich are the only team yeah. with a worse squad than Burnley would... or a comparable squad with Burnley. Um, yeah, Dave? Just going to say as well with Burnley, if you look at the age of their squad, it's outrageous. They're going to need like an annual level in a couple of seasons, pretty much. I they, mean, they did grab a couple of young players at least in the window, like that. Uh, is it Nathan Collins? Yeah, 20, twenty year old centre back. But he's a project, and you, you do get the sense that if Dyche yeah. is there, he, he that's a guy that 
he knows what? how to mould centre halves. But yeah, it's, but in it's, general, Dave's right. The, most yeah. of that squad is aging. Yeah, like Loughton's 32, Mee's 32, Eric Peters 33, Bardsley's 36, even Long's 31, Cork's 32, Dale Stevens is 32, Aaron Lennon's 34. Ashley I'm just happy that Phil Barsley still makes yeah. the Premier League. Jay Rob is yeah, but, but we get we get your point, Dave. We get your point about it being old. Um, but it just feels it does feel like we've reached the point where it's a bit unsustainable, and it is interesting. They do go down. They're not coming back up, are they? Yeah, but also, like I say, I'd like to reiterate: if they go down, this is not Dyche's fault at all. Dyche has been. Helping them punch above weight for years. Dice, whatever happens, comes after this immensely. It's more, I can't believe the owners haven't, because it's all gonna, it's all gonna crash and burn, and they've seen this coming for years. Those players have never been getting any younger, and the whole group haven't been getting any younger. It's just bonkers to me, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought Burnley were going down a few years ago and they somehow uh, stayed up. So, um, what I will say to all Burnley fans who um, have somehow managed to listen to this, probably with a can on the end of a string, um, <laughs> just I hope you go down and I hope I never have to visit your ground again. Have you been there? Yeah, it's horrible. Oh, my God. Turf war. Yeah, yeah honestly. It was like getting off the train and stepping into the middle of Mordor. Only, I think, Mordor's got better links. I say get off the train. The problem was at the end, Mike, they had to, it was a replacement horse and carriage. <laughs> Just get in the back of a wagon. I'm joking, of course. I'm joking, of course. It's good to have different geographical places in the league, but not one that's the back end of nowhere like Burnley. Um, I'm going to ask you a question, fellas. Mm. Who's going down? What are the three teams you think are going down? Cause... Well, Norwich, for sure. Yeah, yeah Norwich. I think Norwich are going. All agreed on Norwich. I think Newcastle are going. Mm. I, I, I mean, if uh, Bruce manages to see out the season, I'm very much here to see that for think, uh, Newcastle fans. So that will be some entertainment. I, I don't think Newcastle. if they go down, he's not seeing out the season for what it's worth. I'm pretty sure. This is Mike Ashley. Who knows with that, man? I think they go down. And I think Burnley go down while I'm at it. I think the current bottom three are going to finish bottom three, basically. That is I the think, three. Who are the I current bottom three? Arsenal's still there. Burnley, <laughs> Burnley yeah. Newcastle, Norwich. I agree. I think they're going down. I reckon Norwich, Watford, Newcastle. Burnley just above. Southampton not far above either. Yeah, Southampton look dangerous. To be honest, if, Le- if Leeds are going to keep shipping goals like this, Leeds m- might... I'm not saying go down, but they might they might be treading water for a little bit. They won't go down. New, new Unless chance. Bielsa leaves, they'll stay up. Yeah, yeah, no chance. Um, right, that'll do us for this week. Uh, yeah, find out which relegation contenders we'll talk about next week. Oh, oh wait, it's international bloody break. So Gareth South gets England. <laughs> there you are. Oh, the Blue Harbour boys are back. Joking apart, we won't be here next week because it's the international break. And as you all understand, the only thing duller than Newcastle and Burnley is Gareth Southgate's England. Um, <laughs> so there you are. Uh, we won't be, true fact. won't be here next week. We will be here the week after. Um, Mike, how was the yeah. betting pod? How did it get Good. I think, I think we both made money this week, so that's nice. 
That's going to be the first time in the history of the podcast. It may, it may well be the first time in podcast history. So make sure you tune in for our, our League One and Two selections this weekend. Yeah, this weekend. Um, as we will still do the show despite there being an international break. So you still get something from me and Hodgson this yeah, weekend. They, they carry on. They keep soldiering on and keep trying to get you to lose money. Um, that podcast is on this feed, so you don't have to go anywhere. Um, Mike, if in the meantime, if the people want to follow you on Twitter to find out your XM for this week. Yeah, it's uh, at Mikey Breson on Twitter, if that's still up uh, by the time this releases. Dave, if the people want to follow you to find out more about how you ruin the ends of podcasts, where can they do that? <laughs> it's at Dave Harris underscore 44. And you can follow me at Wilhunt17, but please don't please follow instead follow us at In and Around Pod on all the socials, including Vivo. Um, yeah, and uh, until next time, uh, what do we say, Mike? Sayonara. Yeah, sayonara. <laughs> We're not saying anything now. That's worse. <laughs> Just say sayonara. sayonara. Oh, my God. Oh, that's two weeks in a row. How many episodes of this have we done? You're still fucking useless at the end of it. <laughs> you sit there like a lemon, honestly.